Well, it's that time again. It's Flat Out RC Podcast time, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, hel- helis, and drones. My name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from Land Down Under in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Big welcome to everybody that may be listening abroad. And we have a lot of people that listen from abroad. I might be able to share some of those stats later because it's our final episode for 2023 and that means it's our year in review and joining us which has become now a bit of a tradition is Fraser Briggs all the way from New Zealand the man that always people love hearing from because he's hilarious he's a funny character so I get him back every Christmas edition to have a look at year in review and it's a good good opportunity to catch up so stay tuned for that but before we get into my chat with Fraser let's have a look at the year that was 2023 okay 2023 in review it's it's been an interesting year uh i think i set out at the end of last year saying that i wanted to do a bit more flying and I mixed things up a bit more this year personally as far as hobbies and interests and things like that, which meant that I probably flew about the same, maybe a little bit more because I went to a few events and got to fly and that kind of thing. But I didn't do a truckload of flying due to a lot of things going on in my life. All good things, no no bad things, just um, a lot of different interests. I started ski instructing. I got into motorbikes and stuff like that. So it was just you end up being time poor. Uh, and I'm in that busy stage of my life where you know there's a lot going on with family and work and other stuff like that. So, but the good thing about aero modeling, it doesn't matter how little or how much you do it, you can still partake in it. And as I've always said, and this is episode I don't know 156 or something like that, uh, this is a great way that I share my passion for aero modeling. It never leaves me. Every day, I think about it. I talk to people about it. So that is part of the hobby as well. So uh, what did we do? This year we changed from a, a, a weekly podcast to a fortnightly and that really did help me greatly uh, in managing the workload. Uh, and honestly, if I didn't move to fortnightly, I probably would have given it up because it, it it's, it's not, a, I'll be honest, it's not hard to produce a podcast. The hardest thing is coordinating the guests. It's, it's, and everybody that produces a podcast says the same thing. It's, like sitting down and having a chat with these guests is easy part and the, and the most enjoyable. And I, sometimes I'm really tired from a day's work and then I, I get on the, on the call and have a chat and I wake up and I feel fulfilled and happy and I get lost in this world of just having a chat about model airplanes. And it's interesting that a lot of the guests, a lot of guests are really reluctant to come on because they think they might not present well, they don't have a story to tell, but everybody's got a story to tell. And they'll often say to me at the end, gee, I forgot that we were recording. You go, yeah, I've told you. We're just having a chat. Um, and so and that's a that's a real positive. But no, I do enjoy producing the podcast still, but the fortnightly regime has really kept it going because it gave me a bit more time to um, find guests and it's a bit more manageable. And no, I work in the marketing field and I often say to organisations, you have to do work that is sustainable you know how many organizations have started doing a newsletter and then it falls by the wayside because it's too hard to do it they put too much pressure on yourself so uh but we've still been very very consistent we're still one of the um you know when it comes to aero modeling podcasts uh we've been very very consistent more consistent than i think um a lot that have uh, come and gone and flat out rc is guest-based 
uh, a lot of other podcasts are just a bunch of guys um, sitting around a room having a chat, which can be good. If the chemistry's there, it can be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I'm going more more guest-based because nobody wants to listen to me rabbit on for a long period of time. But um, but yeah, it's been a pretty good year uh, from the error modeling front. There's been so much happened this year. We had, you know, the F3A World Champs, which we'll you know, Fraser Briggs, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, had that here in Australia. Um, you know, we sort of got back on track after the disruption that COVID was, and um, and I think that's it's sort of almost becoming a distant memory for us. And and you know, clubs managed to get their events back up and running, and and more events came online and that kind of stuff. So it's been pretty pretty good. Uh, or you know, we can get caught up in politics and issues in the hobby, but at the end of the day, nothing beats just getting to the flying field on a nice day and having a fly. Uh, and that's what holds me in good stead. So we still have that ability and all is going well, really. So, okay, let's do a bit of a year in review of the podcast. So one thing I'd like to do is the top 10 most listened to podcasts. Um, and I've got to just count back now. Where, oh, I don't know where I need to be. I'm just looking live on the screen now. We're up to. So I'm recording this on the 16th of December. So it's a few days before this is going live because that's what I do, people. I'm very transparent. I record interviews during the week after hours uh, and I I do my intros and outros and, and this little piece closer to the deadline date, but still need to give myself enough time to do the edit and get everything up and running. So in 10th place, most listened to podcast this year was catching up with Martin Pickering. Martin Pickering all the way from Spain, produces some wonderful content. I really admire his content that he produces, especially out on YouTube and the effort that he goes to. He's an awesome pilot as well. Good guy. Came out to Australia for the Festival of Era Modeling this year, uh, which uh, was really good. And he loves love, loves coming to that event. Um, so he came back again, second year in a row. Um, and it was good to catch up with him and talk about Festival of Era Modeling and other events that he's been to and that kind of stuff. So he's always good to have an, on 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 the podcast and he enjoys coming on as well. So we might get him back next year to see what he's up to. Uh, in equal ninth place, it's a tie here for ninth place. We have Neil Tank, a life of service to error modeling. So the former MAAA president from South Australia and Russell Easterway, a pioneering RC jet pilot, Russell Easterway down here in Victoria to fly. He's a jet guy. So well done there in ninth place. In eighth place, a man whose name comes up often because he is a friend of mine. I talked to him a fair bit. What's up with Tony Wilson? We did a bit of a uh, a catch up. He's from the Bansdale Club, very involved down there. It's a really progressive club down here in my neck of the woods. Runs a lot of events, very welcoming to people to go to the field, and it's an awesome field as well. State field, so you know it's owned by the um, MAAA, I think owns that uh, field. So very secure place to go and fly. So good job, Tony. In uh, equal no in. Eighth place. Seventh place, Mick Gunn, control line to a shed full of RC planes. Mick Gunn from the Borbor Club. Uh, a lot of people are interested in his story. Um, and he, again, another guy that's had a long history in the hobby. Uh, and so many of them started out in control line and, and, and progressed into RC. And he's got plenty of planes. I caught up with Mick uh, recently at the Borbor Club at their float fly day. Uh, seventh position. I think that's where we're up to. Uh, Henry Hutchinson, OAM, the most awarded aero modeler in Australia, Order of Australia medal. That is a very, very big 
privilege for someone to be granted the Order of Australia Medal, and that was for his services to aero modelling, namely for in the pattern scene uh, in coordinating events that he's been doing for a very, very long period of time. And probably that movement would not be the same without the effort that Henry has put in place. So well done. Uh, sixth place. Let me just double check. One, two, three, four, five. Yep. No, that was sixth place. Fifth place. Fifth place, you're up to fifth place. And only one one listen behind, well, ahead, sorry, of Henry. So, you know, you never know what happens in the next few days. But at current standing, Stephen Gregg, aerobatics to E5 model engines, uh, Huggy, as he's known, all the way from Queensland, originally from New Zealand, uh, a really good aerobatics pilot, did really well at the uh, National Champs down here in the Ironman National Champs. But he's also involved in, in the industry of... Um, UAV industry and he's doing a lot of work with uh, model engines um, and electronic fuel injection um, for for commercial applications and drones and things like that. So you, they use them as a, a generator to provide power to the batteries to keep the things flying for longer. So anyway, he's been working at, at that and doing a good job. So well done, uh, Huggy. In fourth place, and he's a guy that got a fair few visit, uh, listens, Noel Whitehead, the scale competition legend. Noel has been on the scene for a long time in the scale competition scene. Is an amazing uh, scratch builder, um, and yeah, long history in the hobby. So it was good to get Noel's story down on tape. Uh, but yeah, great story to tell. So obviously, people enjoyed it as well. In third place, here's another guy that uh, produces a lot of good content. Actually, the top three are people from overseas, uh, which is interesting. But in third place was the lighter side of RC, Jonathan Vogt from Canada. If you haven't checked out his uh, YouTube channel, go and have a look at the lighter side of RC. This guy is working harder than anybody else to produce content in the uh, in the uh, hobby. Uh does a lot of jet builds and documents those builds and does it in really, really good, entertaining way. And it was a pleasure to have a chat with Jonathan. Um, really enjoyed that that chat with him as well. And a lot of other people did as well. So the lighter side of RC, check it out on YouTube, Jonathan Vote. Well done. Now in second place, a friend of mine, a guy that's been on before, a bit of a catch up. And it was Jace the Ace Ducia. So it was a bit like the Martin Pickering episode where I thought I hadn't spoken to Jace for a while. Um, my history with Jace goes back to 2018. I was in China with him and his family and the Extreme Flight crew back then. And uh, Jace has had a big year. I was just actually reading his Facebook and how um, he started a, a little brand um, producing um, uh, profile foamies, little little foamies, which um good for practice in the backyard and stuff like that. And he's teamed up with Flex Innovations now. And they've just released some new new models, um, so you got to check those out. But uh, JCA's, he's an I consider him to be probably the best freestyle aerobatic pilot going around. He's amazing. He's totally next level. Uh, his precision in his manoeuvres is phenomenal. Um, he's just the skill level is just immense. And and oh, a lovely guy to boot. You will not meet a nicer guy than Jace the Ace Ducia. His immense skill has not gone to his head at all. He just loves flying model aeroplanes and um, is a lovely guy. Uh, so well done, Jace. Now in top spot, I need a drum kit. Top spot was a guy that was actually really, really good to have a chat with. 
uh, and again, another international, but he did come to Australia this year. Uh, and that was Philip Kolb, the RC glider legend. Now, Philip, I didn't know anything about Philip, but some people other said, said, said to me, hey, Philip Kolb's coming out to Australia. You need to interview him. I'm like, sounds like a good idea. And, um, you know, I did a bit of research on him and realized he is a glider legend. Um, you know, he's been at the forefront of this GPS triangle racing in, um, in you know, glider competitions. And again, a guy that's really trying to push the boundaries in that regard. And people resonated with his story. So well done, Philip Kolb, uh, for being taking out the most listened to podcast, Flat Out RC podcast, this year. Now, I'm just waiting for the computer to uh, catch up. And let's have a look at, uh, oh, top listeners. That's a good one. This is top listeners. I'm looking at SoundCloud where I, I host the, the podcast. Um, oh, wait a second. It just crashed. Um, let's see if I can get it up again. But um, I can't give away all the top listeners because that's a bit, bit of privacy issues there. But um, let's just say my mate Gavin Sexton, who, whose name appears a lot, he's up there. Uh, as one of the uh, the top listeners, um, you know what I'm going to do? The internet's cu- cutting in and out. Where I record this podcast is really miles away from the the internet router. So I'm just going to flick it to the extension and see if I can get some love with that. Um, but look, I might as well say thank you to everybody who, who's listened to the podcast over the year. Um, you know, there are a lot of choices to listen to other podcasts. And you know, I don't do this podcast for the numbers, I do the podcast for those that are interested in uh, listening to it. The, the reality is with our hobby is it's pretty niche. There aren't that many of us. And then only a small percentage of us will actually listen to um, to a podcast itself. Uh, and so you got to look at things in context. And in context, I'm happy with the way things are going. And the most important thing being where I continue to enjoy it and have the time to do it. And uh, I definitely do. Well, I'm Gavin Sexton. He's right up there as one of the top followers, including Adrian Fasham. Adrian Fasham is going to come on this podcast. I've been hounding him to come on. Anyway, uh, thanks, guys. Um, I won't divulge anymore. I know these two guys, so they won't mind me mentioning their names. Okay, let's have a look at the top uh, three countries for listening to the Flat Out RC podcast in the last 12 months. Um, Wait a second, let me just... Put this data up here. See all. Okay. Last 12 months. Let's go from, uh, let's go top down, shall we? So, uh, countries. First place, Australia. Fancy that. Australia got number one. I think in the past it's sort of been the US, but um, Australia is on top, followed by New Zealand. So, big shout out to all the Kiwis. Followed by, in third place, the UK. Then we have the US, Canada, Spain. Vietnam, Germany, Serbia, Argentina, Netherlands, Ukraine. Shout out to everybody in Ukraine for listening to the Flat Out RC podcast. Colombia, Ireland, Russia, uh, Portugal, Sri Lanka, Paraguay, Indonesia, Romania, Israel, Austria, Chile, Togo, India, Norway, Guatemala, Mexico, Islamic Republic of Iran, Turkey, Finland, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and in last place, the Czech Republic. There you go. See, we are an international mob but uh no podcast but australia is definitely on top uh followed by new zealand uh most listen to cities melbourne sydney auckland adelaide windermere in the uk warrigal down uh in this down here in victoria tauranga 
that's uh, Fraser Briggs. Kendall in London, London itself, Oakville in Canada, New Rochelle, Brisbane, Biggleswood, Anaheim, Kalamazoo, Boardman, Nagambi in Australia, Gouda, where's Gouda? Ho Chi Minh City, Sunshine Coast, Perth, Dublin. Gee, where do I stop? <laughs> Brooklyn. Where's Arangala? I don't know where that is. Let's have a look at who's on the bottom. Geneva. Just going through names here. Aragua. Where's that? Quite sure where that is. It's in some country somewhere. I don't know, but anyway, there you go. That's uh, another another interesting stat there of where people are listening to the podcast. Uh, let's have a look at. I don't know websites that promote this podcast. Facebook, fancy that. Uh, so yeah, so that's sort of some of the stats um, for the last twelve months. So. Things are okay. We, we, of course, we produce about half the amount of podcast episodes. So, so our viewing numbers uh, in total are down, but per podcast, about the same. So I, I just hope that you're enjoying it. Uh, and if not, don't listen to it. Listen to something else. <laughs> I listen to lots of different podcasts, but I think podcasts will keep on growing. Uh, replace some of the um, radio kind of stuff. But um, if you do like the Flat Out RC podcast, tell your friends. Get on board with the Flat Out RC movement. But a big thank you to all those that have listened this year. So uh, let's keep on moving. Okay, it's guest time, and it's Fraser Briggs, as I mentioned. And the Fraser, if you don't know who Fraser is, he, he's been an avid aero modeler for most of his life, very big in the aerobatics scene, loves competing in different things, and uh, a well-known name in the aerobatic circles around the world because he's traveled all around the world and he's joined us a number of times and shared some stories and stuff like that. And so you're in for a treat again because I keep on saying, Fraser, this is becoming tradition. Every Christmas edition, you're coming out and we're going to uh, do a year in review. And he had a really busy year, so it was good good uh, to have a chat with him, um, especially he competed the F3A World Champs here in Australia. So, of course, we'll cover that. He'll tell us a few other stories. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll have a look at 2023 with the main man all the way from New Zealand, Fraser Briggs. It's our final episode for 2023, and it's become a tradition now that I get uh, one of our most popular guests, Fraser Briggs, all the way from New Zealand, back on the line. Fraser, thanks for joining me once again. Oh, thank you, Andrew. It's good to be here once again. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't believe another year has flown by. I was just thinking myself how it feels like it was just last week that we had a chat, but it's been a year. And, and well, it's, it's been a busy year. Busy year. It has been a busy year, and we're going to get into it, right? But to get started, I want to run through. We did this last year, and I'm going to do it again. It's the the rapid fire questions to get a bit of a snapshot of of your year and my year in aero modeling. All right? And then, we'll, of course, we've got plenty of tales from Fraser coming as well. So let's get into it. Now, how would you describe your year in aero modeling? One of the busiest I've had for a long time. That is true. I've probably had the opposite where I I actually, my aim was to prioritize more flying and I got a little bit of flying in, um, but um, yeah, probably not as much as I would have liked to. Well, I've done more, more flying this year than in a long time. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into it because I know you, you, you've had a truckload on. Uh, aeromodeling highlight for the year. 
it would have to be going to the world champs uh, in Australia. That was that was the big the big thing for this year. So that would have to be the highlight. Yep, and we're going to get some more news from that. Uh, my highlight was probably actually you know it's a funny one. Flying off water for the first time, a float plane. Earlier on in the year. Oh, it's good. It's good fun. Yeah, flying awesome float fun. planes is good fun. Yep, had a good good time to that. Error modeling low light. Oh, I had a senior moment at the world champs that we'll talk about. And, <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah, it oh, was. No. Uh, oh, yeah, it was. A, it was a real low light, but it only lasted for twenty four hours. Yeah, I don't have a many major low lights. A couple of praying planes is about it. But um, best model you saw that wasn't your own model. Oh, any any one of the top ten at the on the finals day, the F three A World Champs. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, my my best model was probably Shepherd and Mammoth. Uh, big Waco that was there that I think got model of the meet was a phenomenal model to see. Model you flew the most. Let me guess. It's pattern play. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and through the wintertime, I was out there smashing batteries in an F3A monoplane and biplane. But, you know, actually one of the coolest models that I got to fly this year was at the Awatoto uh, Warbirds, and I got to fly a twin turbine ME262. Oh, really? Uh, twin turbine? Yeah, oh, man, it was a big one as well, and the guy gave me a fly of it, and I'll tell you what, that was awesome flying that thing. It, it covered a lot of sky, and it was great fun. Yep, see, all, all roads lead to jets, as I say. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this question sort of answered. Did you, you, did you do more flying the same or less? You did more flying this year. Yeah, way more. Way more building and way more flying. I did probably the same as last year, which was not much, but uh, still get my hand in. Uh, best event you went to? F3A Worlds, I'd say, for you. Um, well, we had a couple of good events. We had our 75th Nationals. Um, but, yeah, that, that World Champs, that, that was pretty much it for me. That was the main focus for the year. Yeah, my one was probably Shepherd and Mammoth. Really enjoyed that. Um, some really nice models. Nice day out. Um, how many models did you crash this year? Zero. Really? <laughs> really? I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's zero. Well, I had a little bingle with a with an aerobatic plane um, on landing, and I, know, I flipped my flight plane over last weekend or the weekend before, and um, I don't know whether it's. All the ele uh, electronics are still working 100%, but we'll see. But I don't know. It's in one piece, but technically it's probably not a crash. I'll tell you what, I, I just, there was an aeroplane I've just remembered, and I nearly crashed it. It was the biggest save I've had in a long time. And I'm just going to make a note of it now that you need to ask me about because it was so good. Okay, good. I'm going to write that in my notes too. Ask about almost crash. Yeah. Okay. Um, how many models did you build this year? Um, maybe, mm, I don't know, maybe two or three. I did one from scratch. That took a shitload of time. So oh, let's say three. That's a big job. Uh, I did none. Um, I can't think of anything. <laughs> did I do anything? No. Uh, how many models did you buy this year? Zero. Oh no! Hang on. Right. Oh, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> this, this scratch build. A scratch build. You have to sort of buy components for a scratch build. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's say three. <laughs> <laughs> I bought one. I bought a turbine. I think a second hand jet. Um. 
which is still sitting there without the engine in it. Uh, best error modeling component you bought this year? Hmm. Mark, whose VLV Contra drive goes up there pretty high, yeah, I think. That'd be a good one. Uh, I bought a smooth flight for my jet. I haven't put it in. So that's, I'm excited to see how that goes in the jet. Uh, the, the Boomer RC smooth flight. Um, most frustrating part of aero modeling in 2023. Oh, not having a constant supervision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we um, need it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine, um, mine was uh, politics that came into the hobby here in Australia, which I've uh, purposefully not talked about on this podcast, but that was my most frustrating part of era modelling this year. The politics started to creep up. It's calmed down in recent times, but so things looking good for 2024. Everyone's got it out of their system, I think. Uh, okay, so favourite social media content channel in 2023 besides Flat at RC, of course, being Australia's great, the world's greatest podcast on aero modelling. Oh, look, man, I, I was so busy. I didn't have time, too much time for social media, but I did quite a few uh, Facebook live feeds, so Ooh. let's say that. Okay. Uh, Lighter Side of RC YouTube channel that was something that I discovered this year and uh, had Jonathan from the Lighter Side of RC on and. He's a good guy and um, does some amazing contents. It does a lot of work. Uh, did your flying improve this year? Oh, in, in, drastically improved. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Uh, for yeah. me, no. Uh, didn't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, now, plans for 2024, high level. Uh, we have a Trans-Tasman that we're hosting in New Zealand, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, so they got a big event coming, which we are going to talk about that. Um, what about any personal plans with flying or anything? Oh, just more of the same, you know. Might even make it back to the shootout. I see that's been uh, announced. Oh, yes, Tucson. Uh, mine, I've got, I've got two plans for the year, two things. I want to get my F5J glider going this summer, and I want to get my two jets going as well and fly them in the next year because they've been sitting around way too long and I just want them flyable. So that's my goals. Okay. That's it for our year our quick snapshot. Let, you mentioned about this Tasman event that's coming up. We'll talk about the F3A Worlds after, but I'm interested to hear about this um, Trans-Tasman event. Right, okay. Well, the Trans-Tasman for F3A Aerobatics, um, you know, Trans-Tasman means New Zealand versus Australia. It started in the late 60s. And, I mean, this is when they were flying all those classic type models that we see out there now, the screaming 60 machines. Um, yeah, and there's been a, a really good rivalry since 1968, New Zealand versus Australia. Now, back when it started, I think Australia won the first one and maybe New Zealand won the second, but then it was Australia, Australia, Australia for just years and years and years. It took a long time before a New Zealand team managed to win a Trans-Tasman. And I think that um, we're currently sitting on two in a row and we're going for the big three coming up right. in February and we're hosting it here in Hamilton, my hometown. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yep. Do you have the dates or? It's like the 16th and 17th of February. Um, okay. And um, we've already got four Aussies signed up and we're trying to we're trying to encourage a few more guys to come over. This is a... Trans-Tasman, you know, back in the day, guys like Peter Goldsmith, Steve Coram, those were your hot flyers. 
and guys would have to like they'd struggle to make the team. Australia would send a five team, a team of five, you know, hot flyers to come over. Well, we'd we'd like try and you know get five guys together to go over to Australia. Um, yeah, this is now it's an opportunity for guys that might not make a world champs team to you know come and fly in the Trans Tasman and uh, represent your country and and mostly have a good time have a good trip you know we we've hosted it, it basically it flips from country to country and it's on every two years but we kind of it kind of fizzled out and in the last sort of uh, maybe 10 years we've we've got it going again well it's it's good to have those kind of events and and is, is it a two-day event or a three-day event? What's the format? Yeah, it's a. It's usually the Trans-Tasman's a two-day event. You, you know, you have your practice day on Friday. Um, and the way that the Trans-Tasman's usually work is Saturday's your main sort of team event where everybody's flying the preliminary rounds. And you know on Saturday night which teams won the Trans-Tasman because there's, a, there's always a big booze up on Saturday night, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And and one team gets the drink out of the trophy, um, and uh, and then on Sunday it's uh, all for one and every every man for himself. It's individual contest to see who wins the the top spot. Aaron Bones Gal is currently hanging on to the to the Trans Tasman individual trophy, but uh, Team New Zealand currently hold the team trophy. Ooh. So. Um, so yeah, we we want the Aussies have got to come back over here to New Zealand and and try and take it back off us. Have you got any confirmed Aussies or, or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We let me just think here. Okay, so first of all, we got Steve Johnson, who is actually a Kiwi. And he lives in uh, in Brisbane. Honey Butter, that's mm. his nickname. And I tell you what, you want to put him on your list. He'd be a good man to get on here. You'd have a, you'd hear some stories about what Honey Butter's been up to. <laughs> Um, so, uh, as well as that, we got Jason Arnold, who's the um, president of the APA. He's he's coming over. Yep. Uh, and then we got a couple of guys from Tassie, uh, Scott K, and uh, his mate. I think his mate might be called Ralph. So so we got four so far, and um, yeah, we're hoping we might get another two or three. Um, airfares to New Zealand have dropped. It's pretty cheap and. Um, Basically, for guys wanting to come to the Trans-Tasman, they just have to land in Auckland Airport. We're going to pick them up. We're going to drive them down to my place, one hour down the road to Hamilton. We're going to put them up. Accommodation is sorted. We'll take them to the field. It'll be a really cheap trip and a guaranteed to be a good time because guess who's organising it? Fraser Briggs, <laughs> the party go. animal himself. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, it, it will be. It sounds like it'd be fun, you know. Like if if any of you pattern guys out there that want to have a good go to a great event and represent Australia, I'd I'd go over. I think it'd be an awesome, awesome time. It, how hard is it transporting the F three A planes? Put them in a box. Oh, it, it's easy. It is so easy. You when you buy your ticket on Qantas or Air New Zealand or whatever you're going to fly here on you. You basically just say, "I need two suitcases," um, and and that second suitcase that you you pay about eighty bucks, I think, for a second suitcase. Um, you put your model in a box. It's a pattern model, so it's two meters long. So that means your box is two meters long, and your box only weighs like nineteen or twenty kilos. And 
when you rock up to the airport, they say, how many bags have you got? And you point to your suitcase and you point to your model box and they kind of go, oh, oh. And then they put that model box on the scales and, oh, wow, it weighs 19 kilos. It's just like a suitcase. Have fun. (laughs) No, actually, that's pretty good. It's not too hard because the planes aren't that heavy. So, uh, And even with your weight capacities and stuff like that, you have plenty of extra weight there to carry what you need for for the trip. Do we find that most people stay on a bit longer in New Zealand since they've made the trip? Well, you know, we've actually got our big event of the year scheduled for the weekend after the Trans-Tasman. It's called the Rumble. And we always have the Rumble at the end of February. So we sort of thought, shit, you know, let's have the Trans-Tasman the week before. Um, Because we've been to Australia before where they've had, you know, maybe the Trans-Tasman on one weekend and then the Aussie Masters the following weekend and we hang around and we we do both. Now, we we did that on my um, very first ever trip to Australia, uh, Canberra. It was probably like 1995 or it would have been like, well, it would have been 20. And uh, team of Aussies, we flew to Canberra. I met Phil Spence. Wow, what an eye-opener. Big Phil. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, he's hilarious. And and we flew the Trans-Tasman in Canberra. And then the following weekend, the Aussie Masters were down at Wangaratta. And we literally just drove down there. And, and then a couple of, oh, just before COVID, uh, the Trans-Tasman was in Tin Can Bay up in Queensland up there. And then they were hosting the Aussie Masters in Coolum and the following weekend. So we went over and we we did both as a as a bunch of guys. We had a great time. So we sort of thought, you know, let's do the same for the Aussies. Let's back up the Trans-Tasman with the Rumble so that they can, uh, they can come to both if they want to, you know. And at, at the Rumble, we actually fly combined IMAT and Patton together. Oh, really? So we'll, 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 you know, come over with your Patton model and then you come down to the Rumble and we'll see if we can – get you going on an iMac model, then you're really in for some fun. <laughs> so, but the Rumble is both, though, you said. It's Patton and iMac. Yeah, the Rumble's combined. So one of the things that we did a, a little while ago in New Zealand to try and boost numbers is we have these combined events where we we, we combine a Patton event with an iMac event. And most people now, have, they've got an iMac model and they've got a Patton model, so they just do lots of flying all weekend. Um, so yeah, that's how the rumble works. You know, you might you might be doing four rounds of pattern and four rounds of iMac. Yep. Gee, it'd be a busy weekend. Yeah, oh, the rumble's a three day event, and um, oh, we fly classic aerobatics at the rumble as well. So you know, if you go down there, down there with an F three A model and an iMac model and a classic model, you're going to be doing a shitload of flying. <laughs> It's true. It's, that, and if you just turn up with your patent ship, you're going to sit there and watch us fly some classic and iMac, and you'll be thinking, hmm, maybe I need to go home and get a 50cc iMac model. Going. Yeah, yeah, come back. And no doubt there'll be plenty of socializing after hours as well. Oh, well, of course, February is the prime time of year in New Zealand. That's when the weather's the best, that's when it's nice and warm. And so that's why we basically do it at the end of February. Okay, so there's two two events there. Uh, where do people go if they want more information or want to sign up? Just uh, get in contact with you. Oh, okay, so the New Zealand Aerobatics website, we're called the NZRCAA. That's the New Zealand Radio Control Aerobatics Association. So we've got uh, nzrcaa.co.nz, so they can just go on there and... Um, Yep, you'll find my email address on there and you can just uh, 
just get hold of me and we'll let you we'll let you know what you need to know. Awesome. No, that's a, that's going to be a good event. Now, speaking of events, you did compete at the the World Championships, uh, the F three A World Championships here in Australia. How did it go? Tell me about. Well, it. well, this is what's kept me busy all all bloody year. I mean, you know, the this F three A World Championships is normally in the Northern Hemisphere. I've, you know, I went to Japan, I went to France, and um, you'd always have to go miles away. But hello, we've got a world champs happening on the back doorstep, you know. And my mate Tanky, he said, "Oh, do you think you're going to go, Bogan?" Oh, I don't know. He goes, "You'd be mad not to. It's right there, you know." I'm like, oh, "Okay." And and if I had said no, <laughs> I'm not going. I would have spent more time explaining to people why I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, um, there was a precursor to that. There was a Aussie Masters was held in uh, in Australia. Oh shit! What the hell? Casino it was. They were yeah, thinking right. about having the World Champs there, so we went over and flew in that. And I, I, I took a biplane with a YS in it. And um, at that meeting, I was like, man, if I, I, I that last year I was doing lots of flying, but man, I was doing a lot of maintenance on that YS to keep things going and, and I kind of was like man I, I'm not getting enough flying so I saw the VLV Contra Drive go and uh, and I brought one home and uh, started flying it in another old biplane and uh, all of a sudden like the maintenance hours went down and the amount of flying I was getting in went up um, plus I can fly at home I've got a couple of acres right next to a big farm and I can if I need to do a bit of flying, I can just roll the plane out of the workshop and just fly it at home. Um, anyway, so last year uh, we had our nationals about, around about the 1st of January to the 5th of January, and that was our team trial. So we make it easy here in New Zealand. In Australia, they've got these three team trials. They've already started team trialing, I think, for the <laughs> for the world champs in the year 2031, maybe. <laughs> Anyway, we just have a real simple system and you fly in our nationals and that gives us the ranking of our pilots for the year and any events that are happening that year, that's how it basically goes. And, of course, when it comes to a world champs, you know, okay, it's more of a case of who wants to go because it's in it's in France or it's in bloody Holland or Sweden or Austria or somewhere a long way away. And, well, of course... Everybody wanted to go to the world champs in Australia. It's only a two-hour flight, so the team trial was pretty hotly contested. Um, and we flew it at our nationals. We only got three rounds in because the weather was horrible. We were literally flying in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I won the nationals. That put me first on the team. Andrew Palmer, he was second. Uh, Honey Butter from Brisbane, who's a Kiwi. He he. They call him Double Dipper. <laughs> and uh, <so laughs> he'd flown over <laughs> to fly in the in the Kiwi team trial, and he placed uh, he placed third. And then, of course, we got to send a junior, and uh, Sean Galloway uh, was our top junior. Uh, anyway, so I got home from the world, from from the nationals, having made the team, and I'm sitting in my lounge chair one night, and I thought, and I'm I'm drinking some nice South Australian red wine. And I thought, oh, you know, if, 
if I'm going to go to the world champs, I, I need to take an aeroplane that I've built myself and it's a Kiwi design and it's painted in my colours. Oh. You know, the Bogan scheme, the, the classic Air New Zealand looking sort of teal and, and yeah. blue and a bit of silver trim. Anyway, so we've got a real clever modeler that I've known for a long time in New Zealand, lives down in Wellington by the name of Rodney Ford. And uh, here's another guy you should put on your list. He'd be really good to talk to. You could do podcasts all year long with this guy. He's like a full-on modeler that that does his own designs. He does all his own molding um, for work. He He's worked on the movies like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Um, in the special effects kind of department and uh anyway so he had a design for a thing called an armadeus it was a monoplane yeah uh, and he did it about five or six years ago and he'd done the plug and the mold and i was like oh man that's a that'd be oh yeah that looks like a good solution now the world champs were in august and southern hemisphere june july august man that's winter time and i'm thinking this is going to be blowing 40 bastards at this World Championships in Australia. I, I need to I need to have a monoplane that flies well in the wind. Anyway, so I rung up Rodney and I said, hey, Rodney, uh, you still got the moulds for that Amadeus that you designed? And he said, I knew you'd be ringing me. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, he'd been drinking red wine as well. Fancy that. <laughs> Yeah, the, the and, water uh, supply in New Zealand mustn't be very good. You got to resort to drinking wine. Well, so he, uh, you, you know, you, you got to pick the right time of day to make these phone calls. Around <laughs> about half past nine is about the sweet spot, I reckon. And that's exactly what time it is right here, right now. And I'm, I'm on to a couple of cheeky red wines. Anyway, so Rodney said, "Oh, I'm coming up to the Coromandel." On the 30th of January, I'll, I'll pop a fuselage out in the mould next week and I'll bring it to you. Oh, shit. That's awesome. So anyway, I, I got the mould for this um, Amadeus, big sort of beluga-looking fat fuselage thing. Yeah, this is awesome. And, yeah. and then I set to work, you know, putting wings and tails on it and get the contra drive mounted. And Oh, yeah. It, it looked like it was going to be a really fast project. Um, uh in reality, I would have been a lot faster just to buy something. <laughs> um, but in the end, yeah, it, it, it worked out really well. And I actually, um, I didn't even paint the the fuselage. I already had some wings uh, from another project that I was able to use. Anyway, so I went and flew it for about a month. And it wasn't even in primer. It was just raw fiberglass. The fuselage had big bits missing out of it where it needed bogging and you know, it didn't look too crash hot, but I probably put 30 flights on it and I needed to make some changes, had to move the wing forward and, did, you know, got the thing working really well and then went, right, okay, I'm going to stop flying it for a month while I strip it down, paint it, do the colour scheme. And um, Steve Johnson, he 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 does this um, livery studio and he does colour schemes for factories and guys and he came up with a pretty cool looking scheme. So, you know, I'm trying to paint this thing in the wintertime. The weather's shit. I had to, I had to create a spray booth inside um, inside my shed. I put a big gazebo up in there, an easy up, and I put um, plastic walls around the outside of it so that no matter what the weather was doing, I could, I could be in there painting. And I'd be in there at like midnight spraying primer and then the next day sanding 
wet and dry. And then the next day, oh, a bit more primer till I started putting coats of paint on. And in the end, I clear coated it in the spray booth and it looked a million bucks. Yeah, really looked good. I'm looking at photos of it now as you speak and it, it does look really, really good. That's a big project though. Like when you got delivered the the um, the fuselage, like was it have all the formers in it and everything ready to go and you just had to put some gear in nah. it? <clears throat> If, if you're looking on my PBG Composites Facebook page and you slide back to January, you'll see a picture of me and Rodney holding this fuselage up and it's just a raw shell. There's absolutely nothing in it yeah. and it didn't even have primer on it. And um, But, you know, those models, they don't need very much. It only needed a couple of formers. Um, I, I bought a, a laser level and I just did everything with the laser and just set it all up. Um, yeah, I mean, I should, I've been doing that stuff for ages, but I just hadn't done it for a long time. Um, but, yeah, flew great with the with the VLV Contra drive in it. So, What would the weight end um, up being? It was about 4.8, 4.9. I was under the under the five kilo weight limit. That wasn't too much of a problem. Actually, you know what was interesting is there were a lot of pinholes in the fuselage. So I'd paint it with primer and then, you know, you'd see all these pinholes. Okay, next day, got to fill all these pinholes and then write more primer, sand it down again. So I was kind of putting it on the scales every day thinking, oh, no, this paint is adding a yeah. massive amount of weight. And, I, you know, what? I think all up, I only added 100 grams of weight to the fuselage by doing that paint scheme. Oh, really? That's not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was. A, I, I was thinking I was being very careful. And I didn't want to paint it too heavy down the back. Now, it wasn't the, 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 it looks great, but if you get up real close, there are a couple of little areas that's like, yeah, that didn't work out too well. But, you know, from a meter away, it actually looked all good. I was, I was well happy. And then once we got all the, I got all the graphics on it and stuff, but, um, yeah, you know, it, it come up real good. Yeah. And how did it fly? Oh, it flew bloody brilliant. I mean, I, I had to dial it in. I was out there trimming the thing and making adjustments and, you know, oh, it's pulling to the bloody canopy on the uplines and, okay, we need more positive incidents on the wing. I had stab adjusters and wing adjusters and messing about with the props. And, you know, even on a Contra, you'd think you just set the engine at zero and it's going to go straight up. But, nah, you, you actually, it needed a little bit of left thrust to make it go straight. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I built it to fly in the wind and it flew in the wind really well. Now... At the World Championships, you get this preliminary schedule that you have to fly, and it was a pretty easy um, P schedule. There wasn't too too much trickery in it, although there was this really tricky figure M uh, cross box thing that we had to do, double stall turn. Um, but other than that, it was pretty straightforward. But the actual final schedule uh, was really complicated, and it had um, some rolling loops and... Um, some tricky snaps and rolling circles and stuff. So um, my good mate, Hamish Galloway, Worms, uh, we call him, uh, he said, if you're going to the World Championships, you need to take this biplane because if you make it into the semifinals, then you've got that biplane of mine and you can fly that. Oh, shit, yeah, that's awesome. So he sent me this Proteus biplane up and um, I, I don't know what was in it. My, I think he had like a single prop drive in it. Out that came. And then went the VLV Contra Drive. 
so when I was working on this Amadeus, I was out there flying this biplane. Now, no Kiwi has ever made the semifinals at the World Championships. So we were thinking, ah, oh, you know, we've got a chance of making the semifinals. You've, at, at the at the World Champs, you had to make the top 30. Um, if you went to a World Champs in the Northern Hemisphere, there'd be 100 pilots and getting into the top 30, yeah, good luck with that. Um, so it was like, well, you know, there's a chance we might make the top 30, so we've got to be practising this tricky F schedule with this biplane. And, and I've got this Amadeus to fly the P schedule. Um, anyway, so... By the time I got into like June and July, I think I pretty was was you know finished all the building. I'm just out there flying when the the weather you know actually wasn't too bad, but it's cold and it's wet and it's windy and you know you just get out to the flying field and just just fly in the shitty weather, knowing that at the World Champs it's gonna be windy. Mm. So I'm out there practicing in the wind as much as I possibly could. Yeah, yeah. and guess what? There was no wind. Was dead calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. We we got to. I mean, Brisbane. They're in a weather bubble. They got no idea that the rest of the planet has shitty weather. If you live in Brisbane, wow, just amazing weather they have there. And uh, so yeah, we we went over there a week before the World Champs. Uh, Travelled with uh, Sean Galloway was our junior. And, uh, and his grandfather, Ewan Galloway, who I've known for a long time. And so the three of us, we went over, and uh, Sean had a couple of monoplanes. He was flying these Proteus monoplanes that, that he'd been practising on. And I had my biplane and I had my monoplane. And we, went, we, we landed at Brisbane, and we went practising at the, at the Larks Field, Logan Home, I think it's called. Yeah, it's a good, good field, apparently. Yeah, it's a great field. Been there many times before. Anyway, lots of international teams already there, uh, the Americans. Um, so uh, Jason Shulman, uh, Andrew Jeske. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great bunch of guys. Um, so we're hanging out with them. Uh, of course, the Aussies were out there practicing as well, Peter Panisi. And we saw a bit of Bones out there as well. Uh, young, oh, what's he called? You've got this guy. Yeah, Mackie. We'd literally landed at Brisbane Airport and we'd just picked up our rental vehicle and we're on our way. It was like, what are we going to do today? Well, let's go to the field and pull some moles out and we might get a fly. You know, we we were up really bloody early in the morning for a super early flight. Anyway, we get this <laughs> we get this text message from from Mac and he's texted Sean, who's 15, same age as Mac, I think might be maybe a year younger than him. And he says, oh, you know, would you be interested in coming to the zoo, Sean? <laughs> and I'm like, what's he asking you, mate? You want to go? Oh, you want to go to the zoo tomorrow? We're having a big birthday party and we're all going out to the zoo. And his granddad just looks at me and I look across at his granddad and I'm like going, Sean, you just need to tell him we're here to fly in the world championships and, and we can go to the zoo in two weeks' time when it's all finished. <laughs> anyway, so when I caught up with young Mackie, He's like, oh, my dad told me to ask you about the zoo trip. I said, no, dad, that's a silly idea. But anyway, so every single day I was asking Mac if he'd seen the zebras and the giraffes. <laughs> every day. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, no, I know Mac. And, yeah, I like giving him grief every time I see him. 
So uh, join the club. Uh, okay. So, and how did the event go? Well, um, yeah, the event went really well. So we actually went practicing out at Inglewood, um, which is uh, where they have the Festival of Flight. Yep. And we were there modelling. Yeah, that's it. Festival of Era modelling. So Bones had jacked up this uh, this uh, full size aerodrome out there with a tarmac runway. And um, I mean, shit, we had no idea where we were. You know, where's this place called Inglewood? It was a two hour drive in the middle of the night. And we get out there the next day to discover that this little place called Inglewood has basically got one motel and uh, one gas station and one pub uh, and a bakery, which was handy. Uh, anyway, so we practiced there with the Americans. Uh, Gerno from Austria was there as well. Uh, a few Aussies were there, Mac and Bones. Oh, even uh, John Tonks, he, he was there for a little bit. Um, even the Canadians one day turned up needing a place to fly. So it was it was really cool. And the weather was so good, I couldn't believe it. It was dead calm every day. Yeah, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Anyway, so we enjoyed that. Um, you know, I think the best thing about practicing in Inglewood was every night at the motel, they had this kind of big restauranty type room. And um, the guy that owned the motel, he cooked the meals uh, and he was a keen era modeler. He was learning to fly. So, you know, uh, and then sitting around the table, you've got, you know, you got the guy America, you got Gurner, you got some Aussies, and you got a Kiwi. I mean, it sounds like a a, a lead into a joke, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so we had a good time anyway. So we rock on into Warwick. That's where the world champs were, and um, we rented this massive Airbnb that was uh, really close to the actual where the event was being held. Most people were staying back in Warwick in motels and stuff, but we 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 managed to team up with some of the Aussies and the Kiwis, and we we got this um, really big Airbnb out in the country. Um, anyway, so first day of the event is processing, so you've got uh, you've got to turn up with your all your badges and your stickers and all your labels and your models and there out come the bloody rulers and the scales and um yeah i know all the guys so uh, uncle norm and phil and uh, russell were all involved with the model processing so you know you get all your all your weights and everything done uh and man it was windy holy shit it was <laughs> blowing 40 bastards that day um Every team gets a half-hour slot on the official site. So, you know, you you can't rock up and practice on the official site a week beforehand because it was an airport. It was like a fully working airport. But for the week of the champs, the, the, uh, the council had basically given them run a city and shut the whole airport down. There were the odd full-size movement, but there was nothing that interrupted the event, which was good. Um, anyway, so yeah, windy. Holy shit, was it windy? And we got we had our slot. We were the last one to do our official practice. We all got a couple of flights each in the in the half an hour. And um, and then it was like the Olympics, you know, all the teams march in with the with the country flag and with the country little sign, and we all lined up behind our flags and they played the national anthem. And um, uh, Brian Dooley 
he was the uh, he was the contest director actually, and Hooli Dooley, as we know him, he's an expat Kiwi. It was his mission to try and um, perform the fastest opening ceremony ever, because oh man, normally these world championships they they have this opening ceremony, and now we're going to have a handling demonstration from a Piper Cub, and everyone stands there going, oh my god, we have to stand. <laughs> 15 minutes watching some dickhead doing circuits in a cub. So there was absolutely none of that. Good. <laughs> and uh, it was 12 minutes from start to finish. <laughs> so, yeah. Brilliant. Um, anyway, so then they had a cocktail evening uh, at back in town at the local RSA sports club. And so that was great. You were just on the waters because you're an athlete competing in a world championship. Well, so. Well, you see, I, I I was up pretty late the following day, so I was able to have two beers instead of three. But um, yeah, look, this is just a great opportunity to meet everyone and and catch up with people that you haven't seen for ages. Anyway, so the next day the world champs started. Absolutely stunning weather. Oh man, I just could not believe. It. Like the previous day was blowing forty bastards, and then overnight. It just dropped it. Nothing. And it was this, it was like that for the rest of the week. Hooli Dooley had a smile from ear to ear about how great the weather was. So you you planned to have the monoplane sort of didn't eventually. Well, I had my win, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I flew my monoplane on day one. Now at the World Champs, you get one flight per day. Yep. And that goes on for four days. So you know, you've got your eight minute slot to fly. And um, the Kiwi teams were the Kiwi pilots, so there were four of us, uh, three seniors and one junior, and we were pretty much bang, 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 separated by another pilot. So within the space of half an hour or 45 minutes, we've all done our flights. And so we're all kind of, you know, oh, look, we've all got to be there at 1 o'clock because you're on at 108 and then I'm on at 124 and you're on at 146. And, and by 2 o'clock we're done and we're out of there again. Um, so it was really good. It was really well organised. Uh, you know, it it run it ran like clockwork. Everyone had their official bibs on. The judges were in these pink bibs. They were all prancing about, and uh, they had uh, maybe a panel of 10, 10 or twelve judges. So there was two flight lines, one at each end of the runway, and each uh, flight line has five judges on it. And then there's like three ready boxes with the pilots all ready. And, um, yeah, you, you do your flight, you're nervous, you're bloody shaking, and then thank goodness that's over, see you tomorrow sort of thing. Yep. Okay. What did you do around around after, you know, once you were finished at the field? Well, you go practising. There were um, maybe two or three sites you could drive. You could drive up to Toowoomba, 45 minutes. You could go up there and practise. I mean, if you had a... If you had an 8 a.m. flight, then you could do your flight and then go and spend the rest of the day doing practice. If you wanted to, you don't have to. Mm. Um, there were, there were, I think there was a site in Warwick, um, but we uh, we had our own secret handshakes flying field because we'd rented this great big Airbnb and we'd seen on the photos there was enough room to secretly fly <laughs> at home. <laughs> yeah, how good is that? That's perfect. It was, uh, yep, it was. What about a landing strip area? Was it okay? Oh, it was not a problem. Yeah, you had to. There were a few gum trees that you had to avoid, but um, 
it was about the same as what I fly at home, so it wasn't an issue. So um, my mate Worms Hamish, he he'd actually he turned up to help his so his son Sean was our junior, mm. and he he wasn't there for the practice, but like the night before the world champ started, he he flew over with some more Kiwi supporters. Uh, my mate Stinky and his Mrs Inky, <laughs> <That's their name. laughs> yeah. and uh, anyway, so Worms was there, and he what and he says, Bogan, the weather is dead calm tomorrow. You need to fly that biplane because it's going to be awesome in the calm weather. And you built the monoplane for the wind. I'm like going, yep. So we went back to the secret, um, the secret hangout, and uh, before it went dark that night, we put five flights on that biplane and then i was uh, scheduled to fly second up in the morning like at like 10 past eight and um we got up at 6 a.m that morning and we put three more flights on that biplane i was like right this thing is looking awesome we're gonna go down there we're gonna smash out this this p flight anyway so we we you know it's like it's like 7 30 and i'm on it like 10 past eight right get the wings off it let's get to the field pull the bloody biplane out of the van yeah and all the other guys were on at the end of the day because of the way that the rotation worked out i was up second anyway i put this biplane together yeah yeah this is great oh you know i've literally been flying it 45 minutes ago i'm ready to go here anyway okay i'm in the start box and uh the uh the guy russell he says okay bogan you've got one minute to check your gear yep it's all good mate i'm ready to go russell let me at it he goes okay you've got two minutes from now now when he clicks the stopwatch and says go you've got two minutes to plug in your batteries walk the plane out to the runway and stick it on the tarmac and basically then you take off and then the rest of your eight minutes starts anyway so i'm like oh good russell i'm ready for this bring it on mate so Beep, beep, beep. The batteries all plug in. Yep. And uh, and then you and this is Sean's granddad. He says, uh, Bogan, when I saw you wiggle them ailerons a minute ago, only three of them moved. One of them didn't move at all. I went, oh, shit, you're joking. And I quickly stepped back a bit. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Oh, no. Now, this is where hindsight is awesome. And I should have just said, right. We're flying it on three ailerons, right? Just put it out on the tarmac yeah. and send me up. But I was like, oh, shit, we can fix this quick. And I'm reaching in under the canopy. And I'm, what, what I'd done was when I plugged all the ailerons in, I'd put one of the bloody plugs, reverse polarity. Oh. Yeah, with the, with, you can do that with power box plugs if you're not careful. You, you can't, if you're not looking at the polarity yeah. and you're in a hurry, you can plug them in anyway. Oh, no. Oh, I was like, right, quick, oh, and I'm shaking, and I'm trying to pull this plug and turn it over without looking, and, okay, get this get electric screwdriver, let's pull the top wing off, oh. and the the wing's coming off anyway. I get a tap on the shoulder from Russell. Sorry, Bogan, your two minutes is up, and I'm like, oh, what a no. what a goon. That, I was just like, I just couldn't believe Ah, that that happened i was so deflated uh, and you know the the stupidest thing is my second airplane 
was mm. not even there. It should have been sitting right there, ready to go. I would have just gone, I'm flying that one instead. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was the the worst moment for me. And uh so I was pretty I was pretty pissed off with myself about how stupid I'd been. Yeah. You know, I've been yeah. doing this for a while. Anyway, worms, he said, Bogan, just do what Ted Lasso says. He says, be a goldfish. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? He says, forget about it. A goldfish has got a, a brain span of about five seconds, you know, just forget about it. So I tried to. I had to buddy wait all day. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then because of the rotation, I was on almost last the next day. Uh, so it was like, oh, man. Anyway, I bounced back. <laughs> yeah. And oh, everyone, everyone's going, oh, Bogan, we see you got a zero for that round two what happened i'm like going yeah i screwed up yeah but don't worry you know you get to drop one round so you fly four rounds you get to drop one but of course you want to drop your shitty score yeah and usually your first round's your shitty score so you want to drop that and i'm like going wow now i'm gonna have to do well here because <laughs> i'm uh, i'm gonna have to carry all my flights so from now on nothing can go wrong anyway go back there the next day put my flight in with the biplane yep good flight i'm like okay sweet and by now we're at the we're on on day three and there's one more day of the preliminaries to go and the top 30 are going to move through and i'm sitting in i think 30th or 31st place and i'm like right on the bubble i'm like going man tomorrow's flight has to be just awesome <laughs> or i'm a spectator yeah anyway so uh, I think I was on after lunch on day four and uh, nervous as hell. By now, my missus has turned up. She come over as well. She's there to watch it. Everyone's there. It's like, man, the pressure was on. But, um, yeah, managed to uh, managed to smash out a, a really good flight on day four. And What, what, what plane were you flying then, the biplane or the mono? Yeah, still on the biplane. Now, it had just started to get a little bit windy, actually. There were lots of big thermals coming through. And, I, of course, I had both models sitting there, and they were both ready to go. And I didn't have to make the decision until I was told, you know, you've got two minutes starting from now. And we were like the guy that had just flown before me. He, I think he flew his monoplane. But anyway, I was like, nah, I'm going to fly this biplane in the wind. It'll be okay. And um, And I did. And I think I jumped up to 27th position. Um, so I was like, yeah, we've made the semifinals. I mean, that was my main goal. You know, no, no Kiwis had made the semifinals. Andrew Palmer, another Kiwi, he made the semifinals as well, just ahead of me. So uh, two Kiwis were in the semifinals. Mm. Uh, Sean Galloway, he finished, I think, 33rd. He was our junior. And uh, Steve Johnson, Honey Butter, finished 35th. Um, those guys both flew exceptionally well, and um, and Sean was second junior, so that was a massive yeah, thing for him to get good. on the podium. That was so good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I made the semis, and you basically they have a spare day, right? This is the day where if it rains, they can just push it out by a day. Um, what really happens is all the judges go on a big gravy train. They take them to a zoo. Somewhere like that, you know, they take them on a sightseeing tour while it, while the top thirty pilots go and find a flying site and just try and practice F schedule as much as they can that day. And uh, so we drove back out to Inglewood, 
and uh, Steve Johnson, uh, Honey Butter was there. Uh, oh, we, we were all out there that day. And, uh, man, I think I did like 15 F flights just back oh, really? to back to back. I was just absolutely knackered, man. It was just a shitload of practicing F schedule. And uh, anyway, so uh, went back for the semi-final and, um, yeah, flew. Flew, flew great. Flew, flew as good as my practice flight. So I was really happy, really happy. No senior moments. <laughs> I got past that. Um, so now I think I finished twenty third. I moved up. It was like every day I flew, I just kept on slowly moving up the ladder board. Um, and then yeah, I finished twenty third. Palmer just picked me. He was twenty first. Um, which was good for the Kiwis. We've never done that well. And as a team, we did the best we've ever done. Um, we beat the Aussies. <laughs> we, we beat the Poms. We beat Canada. Oh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we did really well as a team. Um, and then, yeah, the the, the big highlight, um, having a junior on the podium, that was the first ever uh, FAI medal for a, a, a Kiwi junior. Yeah, and, really uh, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had no nerves at all. Like, you know, he just went out there and flew. And he was not, he was not like having all the, <laughs> yeah, wasn't nervous. He And he flew well. So yeah. um, finals day was awesome. Um, and um, I'm sitting there watching this and I'm like, you know, there's, there were shitloads of public watching. Said, hey, you guys, you've got no announcer. No one's talking. None of these people know what the hell this is all about. Anyway, next thing, you know, they were like, oh, shit, we've got some speakers in the back of this car over here. Bogan, you're going to be the announcer. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> yep, you're doing it. Oh, shit. Okay. Anyway, so I actually enjoyed that. I got to commentate between flights. Um, you know, next pilot up, Danny LaRue from, from France, you know, I've known this guy for ages and blah, 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 he's flying a YS, he flies Futaba, and, you know, so I got to introduce who was up and who was coming up next, and uh, and then uh, me and Honey Butter would have, like, a little Graham Norton-type session on the yeah. rounds, talk about who we think's going to win, and I tell you, man, I watched that final, I, I couldn't I couldn't really pick out of the top four who I thought was going to win. Yeah. It was that close. I... Um, I'd seen Gurno practice a lot. I thought Gurno might do it, and he won the first round in the finals. Uh, and and Jeski was flying really well. He was right up there. So was Shulman. Um, and then in the end, it was actually Lassie from Finland that um, that won the second round two and round three. Uh, the un they had to fly two unknown schedules at, and one round of the F schedule. And man, it was yeah, it, it was really awesome to watch. It really was. Oh, well, uh, and then no doubt there was a, a bit of an after party after the finals. Well, you know what? It, they took a while to get the prize giving happening and because no daylight savings in Queensland. So it was actually going dark as they were handing out the medals and oh, stuff. Sure. Some of the guys that were trying to do video and, and camera work and stuff, they just couldn't see what was going on. <laughs> um, but they did have a big, they did have big booze up back at the RSA that night. And, um, yeah, yeah, no, it was really good. It was a really good end to uh, to what had been an absolutely fantastic week. So, yeah, full credit to the organising team who did a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm sure there was a few little dramas happening in the background, but from a team's perspective, 
nah, you couldn't tell. Everything went like clockwork. Simon Atkinson was uh, basically the chief organizer, and um, yeah, yeah, nah, it was uh, it was superb. So, um, so it was very enjoyable. The next World Champs were in America. Ooh, now, do you think that the team's going to reform for that? Oh yeah, of course they will. Yeah, yeah. America's not too hard to get to. Um, it was supposed to be in America a while ago, and it kind of got bumped because of COVID. Um, it's going to be in Muncie at the AMA site. Uh, I've never been there, and um, oh, it's very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So watch this space. Oh, I see, look at that. you now. You, Mister F three A. Oh, I know. I mean, I was Mr. IMAC, and then in the last couple of years, I've just been, I've been doing so much F3A. And you know, the one thing is, I mean, I love flying those big IMAC models, but man, they take up so much room, and you need to find somewhere where you're not going to be creating a noise problem. Now, I had none of that sort of carry on while I'm practicing F3A because I was flying electric, and even if I was flying a YS, you're not making hardly any noise. You're not covering as much sky and, um, yeah, you just get home and you've got all these batteries and you just stick them all on charge and then you go out there the next day and just flatten them all. Um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah, big highlight. I knew you'd, uh, you'd tell us all about that because it, uh, it was a big event this year. Now, you mentioned to me something earlier, you know, I've got a saying that all roads lead to jets. And I believe you did some jet flying this year. Yeah, okay. So the previous year, I I bought a bigger jet. I bought a, a Compar Flash. and uh, Hang on, no, Ultra Flash. So I was already flying a really small jet. It had a K60 in it. was a Compar Spark. And, man, that thing. That thing was fast. I think we clocked it at 320 k's an hour. But the thing was so small and so fast, you had to be really on your game when you flew it. So my mate Stinky had an Ultra Flash in his container, and I'd been through and I'd seen it. I'm like, Stinky, you know, I need to own that thing because it's the same color scheme, so I can have the cheeky upgrades and the, <laughs> the missus won't even know. It's the same colors and everything. So I'd been and picked it up. But, of course, I just was so busy with all this F3A stuff that I, I just didn't have time. But the moment I got back from the World Champs, that jet came off the shelf. I stripped everything out of it. The build was a little bit Mickey Mouse. And, um, yeah, I basically put, I put brand-new JR gear in it. Uh, I still stuck with the original pneumatic retracts because um, they were working no problem into echo i think they are they were working no problems at all uh had a king tech 100 so bolted that in uh something faster will go in but man that thing even on a king tech 100 it still flies really fast yeah yeah fast. Uh, so anyway yes yeah, so I, I i test flew it and uh our local club flying fields only got a hundred meter grass strip and i can get it in and out of there no problems oh, really um yeah, it's got the it's got the flaps and the wheel brakes, and you can slow it right down for landing. So, um, so yeah, I've I've got my jet going again, and I've probably put ten flights on it. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But you were telling me about another jet you got to fly. Yeah, yeah. So we have this um, Warbirds Awatodo that's around about the fifth or sixth of February. Falls on a public holiday weekend. 
And, um, yeah, a guy in Auckland called Craig Abbott's got this big ME262. I mean, the thing was huge. I think it had a pair of 100s in it. Um, anyway, so, yeah, you give me a fly on that. And, um, yeah, I loved every minute of it. That was awesome, man. That thing covered a shitload of sky. And, and um, yeah, yeah, flew great, flew great. So I flew it right from the takeoff right through to the landing. Yeah, it wasn't a problem. What's the jet scene like in New Zealand at the moment? Because in Australia, it's it's been like boom times. Yeah, we have a really good jet scene. Um, they kind of have like a central place, Tokoroa. It's about an hour and a half south of me. That's where the tarmac strippers that they fly at and they have a jet meet through um they don't bother scheduling them through the sort of three or four months of winter time um but they're back into it and once a month they'll have a jet weekend and they probably get maybe seven or eight or maybe a dozen guys depending on who can actually make it so so there is a there is a pretty good jet scene and those are just the guys in the in the north island there's a couple of guys down the south island flying jets yeah, you know we've got a very healthy uh, jet scene on happening here in Australia at the moment. Um, as I said, it, it seems like all roads lead to jets. There's a friend of mine that uh, probably a year and a half ago didn't own a jet, and now he's got five of them, I think. Um, so yeah, they're, they're breeding like wildfire over here. Okay, now speaking of planes, what's this mosquito all about? Oh, okay, we've had this big mosquito going. For a little while now, it's a scratch-built mosquito, uh, you know, the big twin uh, fighter bomber. Uh, it's 3.2-metre wingspan. Um, we, in New Zealand, they did. there's a restoration company that basically were restoring mosquitoes, and the first one that rolled off the production line, we went and saw it one weekend when it was like the big unveiling. We saw it fly. And um, old man Baldrick, you know, He's been building big moles for ages, and he said, oh, I think we need to build a big mosquito. <laughs> so um, he had this Brian Taylor plan from the, like, 1975, uh -huh. and he scaled that up. And, and I said, Baldrick, if we're doing a mosquito, it needs to be the same size as our big iMac airplanes. You know, it needs to be 3.2 metres wingspan minimum. Anyway, so he basically scratch-built this mosquito did all the plug and mold so it ain't yeah. built out of balswoods it's all plug and mold now i think that a kit has actually been sent over or the parts for a kit has been sent to australia and there's a guy in the south island that's doing a bit of molding as well so we we've got this big mosquito it flies really well we we and originally we flew it on a pair of da50s and um and it flew pretty good but it was like no oh, man we it, it struggled a bit on one engine, um, so while we're flying it, we can we can cut one engine back to idle and you know fly it around. And if you've got a lot of airspeed on and you lose a motor, you're okay. But if you've just taken off and you lose a motor, man, you are really struggling to keep that thing airborne. Um, so we actually um, we put a pair of DA sixties in it. Uh, and I think we flew it for a couple of years on the 60s, but the, the DA60 vibrates a little bit more than a 50. Anyway, yeah. um, Baldrick, he rang me up one day. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get a couple of big four strokes for the mosquito. And I'm like, what are you doing? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get a couple of big four strokes. And like they were going to be 10 grand each. It was just insane, the amount of money. Yeah. So I said, Baldrick, you know, come on. Let's put the DA100 in line. 
Oh, no, no, no. There's no way that engine's ever going to fit in Mosquito. Yeah. And I said, look, here's a guy online who's posted a thing on YouTube. He's got the Compath Mustang, and he's got the DA100 inline, and he's fitted it in there. No worries. Yeah. Oh, okay. So anyway, we, we got a pair of DA100 inlines for it, and Aldrich went about fitting them. We put them in on an angle. The carburetors um, poke out the cowlings a little bit, but the Mosquito has got these big exhaust stacks, these big dummy stacks yeah, that yeah. stick out and the carburetors are sitting under them so you can't actually see the carbs yeah um anyway so baldrick had to make his own mufflers to fit in the cowling you know you, you can't just bolt some sort of yeah, well, stock work. muffler and have that hanging out in the breeze you wouldn't do that on a scale model so so he managed to shoehorn some mufflers and anyway we we flew it um it was probably around about this time last year that we test flew it with the 100s. And, man, the DA100 inline, what a sweet motor. Yeah, tons of power. Mm. Um, but it was like, yeah, these 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 motors, they should be pulling more revs. Oh, the mufflers were just choking the engine just a little bit. So yeah. Borgic had to do some more mods to the mufflers to let them breathe a bit more, put a couple of more exit pipes on the mufflers and, and yeah, we flew it again about a month ago, and the thing went great, and it had shitloads of power. So, um, if everything goes to plan, we're going to be flying that mosquito at the Wanaka Air Show, which is a full-size Warbirds Air Show at at Easter next year. Gee, I'm looking at photos of it; it's an awesome looking model. How did you go with the CG? Was it not um, heavy? Yeah, or? yeah, no, it needed some lead. Um, to get the CG right, everything's as far forward as we can get it, and I think with the with the one hundreds in, we might have added another kilo or even two kilos of all up weight to the airframe, mm. um, and then we were able to remove a little bit of lead out the nose as a result. Okay, that's all right. Now that's an awesome, uh, awesome looking model that one. Okay, I know that you've got. In your archives, a lot of good stories to tell, and you give me a lead into a couple of them. So, so what happened in nineteen ninety five in Canberra? Oh, okay, so this is we're talking about Trans Tasmans. That was my first um, my first trip to uh, overseas. I think for a competition, went me and Worms. We were young bloody guys. We must have been nineteen, twenty years old. We went to Canberra for the. For the Trans Tasman, I met uh, I met Phil Spence. I met, oh, I must have, I don't know, I might have met Peter Goldsmith at that world champ. Steve Corum, he would have been there too. Chris White, and um, yeah, shit, we had a we had a really good uh, a really good time at, in Canberra. Um, but the the note that I've actually made is about the following year, and we had a Trans Tasman here in New Zealand. And it was at a place called Tokoroa, which is where they fly these jets now. Anyway, <laughs> I got to meet this uh, this Aussie F3A flyer, young guy like me, and he was called he's called Tony Driver. Have you ever heard of this guy? He's from Melbourne. Yes, you heard of Tony Driver. Good pilot, yep, apparently. Tony. Anyway, he has multiple nicknames. Uh, one of the nicknames was Tinkerbell because <laughs> um, he was always away with the fairies. Um, <laughs> anyway, so meet this guy called Tony Driver. What a cracker. Anyway, so these Aussies have come over and uh, 
we're all staying in this little motel in Tokoroa. There's only one or two motels, and we booked out this this motel, and I guess we filled out about four or five rooms. A whole bunch of Aussies have come over. Anyway, I'm out there on the practice day, and uh, the Aussies are going, hey, one of your bloody Kiwis was taking us for a bit of a ride last night. What are you talking about? Oh, well, you know, we come through duty-free. We bought a couple of bowls of Jack Daniels or Jim Bean, whatever it was, and um, and he was helping us drink it. You know, we're standing around at the motel out in the car park, and we noticed this bloody Kiwi. Every time we, we poured him another one, when, we, when he thought we weren't looking, he'd tip it over his shoulder into the bushes and asked for another. No way, really? Yep. We caught him doing it. We didn't have him up about it, but we caught him doing it. Shit, that's pretty bad. Anyway, so this guy already had a nickname, Talk A Lot, because he talked a lot. So he was nicknamed Tip A Lot that night. Anyway, so <laughs> next day of the, of the uh, Trans-Tasman's rolling on, and we're getting to know all these, these guys and, you know, typical Kiwis and Aussies, when you put them together, they're having a good time. Anyway, I think the Aussies won the Trans-Tasman. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they did. Anyway, Saturday night's the big party. Um, so we're at the we're at the motel, and we're all sort of outside in the car park area. And uh, my station wagon that I used to have back then uh, had a huge, big sound system in it with a big, massive. Um, like a big boombox thing in the boot that you kind of oh, could yeah. flip over and face out the other way. Um, pair of 12-inch subs and tweeters and uh, horns. That's and what people did it, back then. You don't see it well, I, now. I still do it. Oh, no. You're <laughs> well, the one. Yeah. I mean, hey, I got bogan on the number plate. <laughs> but I'd use it at the field for practicing when I'm practicing freestyle. Oh, yeah, big sound. Yeah. You know, I'd just roll that thing out. Anyway, so we're in the car park, right? There must have been. 15 to 20 guys, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, we've got this big boom stereo going. And the owner of the motel, of the motel comes over and says, you guys need to shut down this noise and you need to move this party inside the motel rooms. And I said, are you serious that you want all us rowdy guys actually inside the motel room and not in the car park out the front? Yep. So in we go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> oh, Space Cadet. That was the other nickname for Tony Driver, Space <laughs> Cadet. That was spacey. Anyway, <laughs> man, what a model. I tell you what, the, he, he turned up to this thing with his own scratch-built airplane, all made out of balsa wood. And, man, I've never seen quality like it. Hats off to the guy. What a, what an awesome builder. Anyway, oh, I don't, Space I don't think he actually flies anymore. No, no, no. A long time ago, I think he... he he finally checked up with some bird, and he's got he had little kids who are probably teenagers now. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so we're having this party inside this motel room. Anyway, this guy uh, from the previous day, the tipper, tipper guy, tipper lot, he's there, and he's all bullshit, bullshit, talk, 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 bullshit, bullshit. And the Aussies can see right through him, right? Anyway, so he <laughs> he he decides, oh, I just need to pop down the hallway to the to the loo. So he disappears, disappears down there for a pee. Anyway, Tony Driver quickly grabs his can of beer, races up to the kitchen bench, tips half of the beer down the sink, tops up the beer with water, 
and slides it back onto the table and it stopped in the right position just as the tipper lock guy was coming back down. Anyway, so everyone's like going, oh, yeah, 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 talk, talk, talk. Anyway, so old, old tipper lot, he has a big slug on his beer and, and he's all talking more bullshit and then he has one more slug on his beer and then he just slams it down on the table. Who the bloody hell did this? Anyway, <laughs> he, he, he absolutely, the cheese slid well and truly off his cracker and he, he went marching up to the door, the, the big ranch lighter, to get out of the room, right? And his curtains are closed and he couldn't find where the curtains opened up and he just grabbed the entire curtain rod rail track <laughs> and just smashed the whole lot off the wall, threw it down and boom, out through the ranch slider. Anyway, <laughs> from now on, he shall be known as the curtain bandit. Yeah, all the next day. We're talking about the curtain bandit, and uh, oh yeah, oh, it was so good, so, so good. Somehow I think it's you're the person that's creating all the names and giving it to everybody, and everybody else just follows. You know what? Just this weekend, right? I've been flying pylon, right? So we had a two-day pylon racing event, an hour's drive away from me at a flying site called Airsail. We were a fantastic weekend. We had a Christmas barbecue last night. Anyway, there's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> that we're flying with and he's called dave coleman uh, you know why dave coleman do you make mustard he goes no i said well coleman's mustard and then my mate stinky straight away says from now on we shall call you colonel mustard <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's it, just like that now see the thing is if, if you get handed a nickname whatever you do yeah. don't mention that you really like the nickname, because if you really like the nickname, that nickname's going to change straight away. There'll be something that you don't like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good strategy. <laughs> that's good. I can just imagine next time you see him, it's going to start up again, and then it's just going to spread, and that's it. He's going to have this nickname for life. Oh yeah, I mean, look, when you're flying pylon, you know, they they get me to be the 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 start man. I'm I'm flying in one class, but in the other class, I'm like a helper. And you've got all these helpers on the course, and they've got walkie talkies, and they're all ready for the race. And okay, we've got lane one, you know, we've got Steve, and then in lane two, it's Colonel Mustard, <laughs> and in lane three, <laughs> and in lane three, it's Candyman, uh, who was another guy that got a nickname this weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> See. Uh, it just adds to it, I think, when people have got nicknames. Uh, speaking of nicknames, how's Baldrick going? What is he up to? Oh yeah, yeah, Baldrick's uh, Baldrick's going going very well. Ah uh, shit, what's he been up to this year? He he's he's downsizing in the size of models that he builds now. You know, he's uh, what is he seventy six? I think he's knocking seventy seven. He's I tell you, he is fitter than me. He goes to the gym a lot. Mm. Um, he was actually in the newspaper for going to the gym 1,000 times. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, that, that's awesome. So Baldrick's very well. He's built a scale um, chipmunk. It's got rivets oh, and scale gee. detail and shit all over it. He's Now he's doing a, a tiger moth um, as Com well as composite? That. Are they composite or...? Nah, nah, he's 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 doing these scale models. They're all bolstered and covered in like you know yeah. bloody silk span or whatever the hell they bloody use. I mean, hey, he's still doing lots of that, lots of that molding stuff as well. 
um, for the aerobatic stuff that he does. Yeah. Um, he's making his own engine. Um, he's making, uh, um, what is it, like, I don't know, maybe he's making his own four-stroke engine. It could be about a 60cc. It's like a big YS. Anyway, Bogey, you're not allowed to tell anyone until I've run it. I want to make sure it runs. And I'm like going, oh, okay, all good. But he's told lots of people. So, yeah, yeah he's making his own engine. And he's still brewing all his own beer. But he does he does the full-grain brews from start to finish. Um, yeah. Oh, he went back to England, actually, this year. So while I was at the World Champs, he went uh, he went back to England to see all his family and stuff over there. He had a great time. Yep. Yep. Spending all my inheritance. Ugh, tell him to slow down then. Okay. So uh, next year, 2024. Well, what's, the, what's the focus <laughs> for, from, from a flying perspective? Just a bit of everything or are you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bit of <clears throat> bit of everything. Cause well, so we've already talked about this Trans Tasman event that we've got um, coming up in February, but uh, we have our New Zealand Nationals uh, starts on the first of January, goes for five days, and we do everything from free flight, control line, vintage, uh, soaring, pylon, scale, iMac pattern, the whole bloody lot. So I'll be flying pylon. Uh, iMac and um and Patton of course and um yeah so that's um that's that's the next big big thing we we've had a bit of a bad run you know we start our summer flying season in October um for events you know we don't really schedule any events for June July or August um anyway the first two iMacs I've had to cancel them the weather was just shit you know it was like windy raining the night before so we kind of we're, we're bumming out a little but we've had a couple of events um we had a pattern and pylon a month ago we've got an event next weekend but uh, everyone's basically gearing up for the nationals now yep yep and then Gee, that's not far um, yeah later on in 2024 yeah i'm not sure the shootout's been announced mm, i don't know if i'll go or not yet we shall see watch this space i do have uh one a career show um, scheduled for Easter, so I've kind of got to get back into some freestyle flying because I always have to turn up and do like a big freestyle demo yeah, with a big, a big model for that. Um, just test flew uh, my old Raven on Friday with a DA two one five in it. Yeah, um, tell me about the two one five. What I saw a photo yeah. where you've changed the sticker on the side of the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I've been mean. I've been wanting to try one for a while. Huggy Bear over there in Australia, he's been using the two one five. He went to the shootout last year. Mm. Um, yeah, just a great big two cylinder. Weighs the same as the four cylinder two hundred. Less parts, a little bit more power. Um, so I've got this massive Sukhoi that I want to put it in, but I've got to make new wings for the Sukhoi. So I thought, ah, oh, look, I'll just bang it in this Raven and we'll go out and fly it. Um, so yeah, I fired it up and holy shit, it's got some bloody power. I mean, man, flip, like the 200 is really easy to start because, you know, there's four cylinders turning over and they're only 50cc cylinders. So the compression's not really that high, but man, this 215, it's like, holy shit, you really got to lean into it to, to start the bus. And it feels like you need concrete shoes even hold you down. Yeah, so, so yeah, no, it, it went well. I still got a bit more flying to do on it, but had tons of power. Um, I've got a three blade propeller on it at the moment. I'll I'll get a two blader in for it. it. Was it was actually really quiet 
on the three blader. Do you put it through uh, cans or you know what have you got? Yeah, yeah. So NTW um, had to release some bigger cans. Oh, I guess it was a couple of years ago now. TD one thirties they are. So th- this basically bigger than they've ever made before. And oh, yeah, man, I just basically stuck them on the on the two one five. I had to do the um, raise up the knuckle headers, which was a pretty easy job. And um, yeah, 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 nuts. Nah, uh, all good. I can't believe it. Like, you, are you flying every weekend, whenever you can? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm flying every weekend at the moment, and I'm even sneaking out for a little bit of a sneaky fly in the evening midweek because we got daylight savings. You know, you're in Melbourne, you know what that's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Now's a great time. It's uh, daytime till eight thirty at night, and we're still what ten days away from the. From the summer solstice so you know the days are as long as they're going to get it's a good time to go fly and get out there and do it yeah see i'd like to have that opportunity i'd like to live on a bit of land where i can go and fly something but a lot of people t- that, that, that do have that say to me oh it gets a bit boring by yourself sometimes but um you know just plug in a battery and have a quick fly it sounds good to me yeah look one of the one of the new models that we've been flying this year um uh, Horizon Hobby or E-Flight, they do this thing called an Ultrix. Yeah. It's like a flying wing that's got two engines on it um, sticking forward. So it'll do uh, what I call the crazy pizza because when you give it full rudder one way, it basically one engine just goes to full throttle and the other side goes to nothing. So yeah. you can put it into a flat, crazy flat spin. Yeah. And it's just like flipping and whizzing and spinning and flipping and, and it doesn't really lose that much height too fast. So you can go really high and you know, just go mental with the thing. Well, you can get a lighting kit for it. So we've been doing night flying with these, what we call the crazy pizzas. And, um, ah, shit, that's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, lots of fun. It's just a real simple uh, – I took a I took a stack of them to the Nationals, basically, and I was like, okay, as soon as somebody sees the first one go, the next one, he's mm. going to want one, and then there'll be three flying, and then the next day they were all sold. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens, you know. We just we see something, we fall in love with it, and they were other people, want, you know, want want to get them as well, and fall in love with the idea. So I can see how that can happen. Uh, okay, well, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, you know, we've been through the year. We sort of, you know, had a look at what's what's on the horizon next year, and and you're a very very avid aero modeler, and always very very entertaining, and uh, you might get to Tucson maybe. That'd be interesting to see whether that happens. Yeah, I've got a lot of work to do to get to Tucson. I've got this really awesome, you know, PBG Extra 300, but I need to make a new set of wings for it. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, I've just done so much building and stuff. It feels like I need a little bit of time off, but, oh, man, I just can't see it happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's summertime. It's awesome. It's time to get out there and go flying. That so, is true. Um, that is true. Yeah. We're... um. We've had funny weather over here. Um, this weekend has been a bit wet. Uh, they're threatening that it's going to be a really, really hot summer, but it hasn't sort of kicked in yet. It's still been pretty mild. But, um, but yeah, we've, we've come off the back of a lot of events in the past month and a half or so, um, two months, uh, and I think everyone's sort of winding down for the Christmas break. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting some flying in over the Christmas break. I just don't want to go to fly. I'm just deciding now. What do I need to take? I'm going to be going away a bit. Actually, I just thought I've got some planes up at my holiday house. I'm going to be up there. I might go and fly some planes up there. So that'd be all right. But um, 
and some gliding. Do you ever get into? Have you ever flown gliders, or it's not your thing? Yeah, no, no. I've done a little. I've done a little bit of gliding. I, I like doing slope soaring. I get into a bit of slope soaring. Yeah. Um, fun. you know, I've got a DLG, a DLG glider. Yeah. You know, the old spin around and throw it yep. thing. I will tell you what, that's um. I used to think these guys were all bullshit catching thermals. Ah, never seen you catch a thermal of that thing. But man, I got into a bit of that DLG flying from home. And when the weather's nice, one launch and yeah. you're up for half an hour if you want to. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's uh, it's a little bit like um, like trout fishing, I reckon. Those trout fishing guys, yeah, they always look at the river and trying to figure it out. And we got some, we got some bloody good um, soaring guys here in New Zealand. In fact. They went to Bulgaria for a world champs at the oh, same yeah. time. Yep, this year. I, yeah, they they went to Bulgaria for the um, what's the electric class? They F- got those big F5J. They had the F five J in um in Bulgaria this year. Yep. Yep. So Team New Zealand on first place on the podium. Yep. Oh, really? Because you got uh, Joe Wurtz is there, isn't he? He's from yep. There. Yeah, we got uh, we got Joe Wurtz, uh, and we got another guy, Rowdy. And um, yeah, uh, so those guys went over. There was a three-man team. It was um, yeah, it was really good, really good. Um, but yeah, you know, I just like getting out there and throw that DLG glider and start sniffing out some thermals, and then you know, see how high you can get, and then go right. I'm gonna bloody point this thing back at the ground and come zooming in and see if I can find another one. You've got to be, you've got to be like a real outdoorsy type person, I think, to be in soaring. You've got to be able to look. You yeah. know, like three three miles away and see a rabbit fart and think, oh, there might be a thermal <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, I, I never thought of it that way, but I find myself when I'm um, when I'm driving in the countryside and I see a nice paddock, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, wouldn't that be a nice um, paddock to fly a glider in? Um, I don't think of sort of a powered flight when I when I'm when I'm driving along, but um, but yeah, I was thinking I've got this DLG that I haven't flown actually, and and, and because I don't, I'm going down the coast to my mother-in-law's, and, and I'm a member of the flying club down there, and and but I'm not gonna, I don't have room to carry the planes, you know, with all the family stuff. But I thought the DLG will easily, I can just throw on top of some bags, and it's uh, nice and lightweight. So I might take the DLG, and maybe if we can squeeze in, I've got a little forty-eight-inch extra electric uh, aerobatic plane. I might take that down there as well, and and see if I can have a crack. But sometimes the weather's not great. So I'll pick it. I'll pick the, the weather. Um, well, I think you probably should take them both, mate. But, you know, the good thing about that DLG is you can pop the wing off and you'll slide that thing in real easy and you can yeah. sneak down there and go and just have a few flies and just launch the thing. Even just a park you can go to. You're not going to annoy anyone flying a DLG. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I do like the DLG. Well, Fraser, it's been a pleasure, as always, having you back on the Flat Out RC podcast for the final episode of the year. As I said, it's become a bit of a tradition. Uh, you're taking a break from work over Christmas? You got oh, the yeah. You've got the Nationals, anyway. Yeah, we've got the Nationals to go to. Yeah, 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 you know, oh, bloody Christmas time. Well, oh, man, uh, I'm, uh, it'll, be, it'll be business as usual through there. But, yeah, I won't have to do too much work. And, uh, yep, no, we'll look forward to another awesome year next year. All the best with next year, and uh, we'll have a, a chat next Christmas. Bloody good. I've got my bags packed. I'm at the door. About to leave. Already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to 
Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. A big thank you to Fraser Briggs for joining once again. Always love having a chat with Fraser because he just makes my life easier because he's so he's such a good talker. So uh, and he's very entertaining as well. And that's what we want. Just producing some entertainment here. Look, a big thank you to everyone once again for for, for tuning into the Flat Out RC podcast this year. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you choosing to listen to Flat Out RC. And I do hope that you enjoy it uh, and continue to listen if you like. Uh, I'll be back next year. I will take, I normally, I take January off. I just need to have a break. I've been telling people I'm just fried. I'm really, really tired. I, I don't take a lot of breaks during the year um, outside of work. And so I'm looking forward to have a Christmas break. What am I going to do on my Christmas break? Hoping to fly some gliders. I'm going to fly, um, fly some model planes, um, pending some good weather. I'm going to ride my jet ski, because I have a jet ski, so I'm looking forward to some adventures, and the I just don't want to do any work. <laughs> I just don't want to have to look at any work. So I've told my customers, that's it, oh, just don't talk to me until the 8th of January. So I'll be back with the podcast start of February. So uh, to everybody, have a good Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. Any other celebrations that you've got happening this this uh, holiday season, please enjoy. Stay safe. Keep well. Um, if you're out on the road traveling, be careful because we know this time of year there's a lot of people moving around. So enjoy your holidays. I'll be back in February. In the meantime, go out and fly a model airplane and then take a friend so you can introduce them to it as well. Have a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Talk to you in 2024.